delighted to say that I'm joined on CFB tonight by St Johnston legend Stephen Anderson, the cup winning hero. Stephen, how are you? I'm very good, yourself? Not bad, not bad. Plodding on, but as as we just spoke about off air, it's it's kind of uncertain times for so many people. You've just left St Johnston after so many years. Um, and before we reflect on your your career so far, what's the future holding for you at the moment? Because at the moment, I know so many clubs have got players on furlough, they're not signing. What 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 does the future hold in this climate for guys like yourself that are out of contract at the moment? Uh, well, that's a good question. Uh, St Johnston obviously didn't follow me, extend my contract fully, especially all the boys at St Johnston that were out of contract, that they want to leave, uh, they didn't extend the contract to follow them, which is a bit frustrating. Uh, we, we see other clubs doing it, but that's what it is. Uh, and for the future, at the moment, it's a, it's a great area. Obviously, I'm looking to play for as long as I can. Uh, and in certain times, teams aren't signing players at the moment, so you're just sitting there waiting. I'm still studying at the moment. I'm at Napier University, uh, but that's just an online thing, so I just do it as in when, when I'm free, study that way. But there'll become a time when I need to fall out of football, and it, the way it's going at the moment, it might happen very soon. But hopefully not. Hopefully teams start to pick up a bit in the next month, when, if they can get an actual date in the lower leagues and hopefully players will get signed like myself. Well, well, as I say, that's got to be pr- the priority in terms of getting things back because you know yourself and it's an attitude that is frustrating for me. Covering football, people say, ah, but footballers earn tons of money. Aye, if, you, if, you're, if you're playing for Newcastle or Man United, be not being out of contract right now, mm. it's not great, but you'll get by. Whereas for so many in Scottish football, you need a new club, you need a new challenge because, as you've rightly said, you can't sit and wait forever, especially in this climate anyway. No, that's right, you can't. Uh, as I said, I'm fair to you there. I think managers could look at it now and they could assemble the best squad if they're willing to sign players right now. As I say, there's a lot of players out of contract and they'll be looking to sign a club and get paid as, as soon as possible because they need an income. Well, as you say, the income is going to be vital for so many players and in terms of how it goes for instance um, Queen's Park signed Bob McHugh from Morton this mm-hmm. week that caused a bit of a stir people saying oh how come he's not staying at Morton etc but as you've said if a club whether in League 1 League 2 even if they've got money and they're all happy to say to somebody look there's a two year deal with a bit of security I, I, as you say I think you could see Lots of players consider moves to clubs like Queen's Park if they've got money and they're willing to say, we'll pay you and we'll give you security for two years. Why would you not take that in this current climate? 100%. 100%. As I say, managers, if they look at it and they look at the players that are out of contract with free agents and they're thinking, well, we could chance it here, try and get them now, try and get them signed up for the season coming ahead. The problem you have at the moment, League 1, League 2, there's not an actual date to start. I've not confirmed that yet, but I can understand why they're waiting because obviously no income coming in and you can't follow boys either if you're new signing, so you need to pay them in full. So I, I can understand why they're not signing, but if they've got money there available, then they could assemble a very good squad. I hate to put you on the spot so early, but you were at Wraith Rovers on loan last season. It was a club you, you seemed to enjoy your, your time at. Would you consider a move back to Wraith if they were interested? No, 100%. Uh, I stayed in the firm as well, which helps. Uh, no, but no, not even that. I just 
when I first went there, it was people were great with me, the manager, the coaching staff, and first and foremost, the players. The players uh, made me feel very welcome, and uh, I really enjoyed my time there. I was there for a wee while, and uh, I would love to go back if the opportunity came. And in terms of that challenge last season before Kirk in that division, um, it was tough. The way it's ended is through no fault or eighths. It, it's ended for, for teams up and down the country, no matter what league they're in in Scotland. Just in terms of playing with that group of boys, did you sense that even if the season continued, you'd, you'd back yourselves to, to have won that division? Yeah, I, I think so. Uh, as personal opinion, obviously, but... I don't know if you watched any many Wraith games. The way they play football is, especially at home, because the big pitch, slick pitch as well as the National Tough. They play very good football, attractive football. And we played Falkirk a few times, and I feel we're the better team as well. You know, a few draws in there and beat them in the, the cup as well, the Challenge Cup. So, no, no, yeah, I think we would have won the league, but who knows it. Funny ones we didn't have a great, weren't great away from home. Sometimes, sometimes that's maybe what let us down. But special home form, you were very good. In terms of yourself, as as, as I referred to in the intro, St Johnston legend. Um, whenever your name's mentioned, people associate you and St Johnston together. The cup final magic, which we'll come to later. In terms of the club, over the piece, from when you joined them in two thousand and four to leaving, just. Just very recently, how have you seen the club progress over your time there? Because an established Premier League club now, no, no doubts about it. Yeah, well, when I signed in the first division or championship now, as you would say, uh, in my first season wasn't a great season for the club. Uh, but on a personal point of view, I was played first team football at a young age, which obviously it was very good for me. But uh, yeah, you see that obviously. After the first season wasn't good, John Connolly obviously got sacked, which ah, it was obviously devastating because he had signed me. But after that, it kind of the club grew. We won coil and managers and grew through, and then eventually get promoted. No, won Challenge Cup first. Eventually got promoted, and then obviously from there stayed in that league, stayed in the Premier League. And yeah, it's just it's very. It's, you look over uh, the period I was there, and you could say it's been very successful. Very, very successful, actually. And you're talking about cups and that as well. Absolutely. And in, in terms of the managers that you've had, the likes of Owen Coyle, Derek McInnes, Steve Lomas, Tommy Wright, what, how, are, how are all those guys different? Because there's, in terms of the club, it's been a club that's always had stability, really, in, in sort of in the last, as I say, in the time you were there. Albeit the first season, as you say, was tricky, but it's always had stability. They've, they've, they've done a really good job of going from manager to manager without anything dive, nose diving spectacularly. Well, yeah, well, obviously when Owen Coyle came in, uh, he seemed Derek McInnes as a player coach anyway. So it was, as I say, it was kind of just an easier transition for when Owen Coyle left to Dell Derek to come uh, in as manager. And, well, I me, Tony Docker, bring in Tony, Tony Docker as his assistant, which I worked him, with him at Dungeon United, so he knew me as well. So, we had a good relationship that way. And then, obviously, we've done really well that season. Promoted, and obviously, that, he moved on to a bigger and better things at Bristol. And then, that's when the transition did come into it, was when Lomas, Steve Lomas came. Because he, obviously, had a big name in football and South and that, but he was no really no one in terms of getting linked with the job. No one really knew. And then, all of a sudden, it was Steve Lomas. And then, Obviously, Tommy Wright is an assistant manager, and then it's it's easy to transition. Lomas, Steve Lomas leaves, 
Tommy Wright comes in, it was a transition pretty easy. Everyone knew Tommy Wright, and he knew he had been a manager before in Northern Ireland. So, no, it was a straight, straightforward transition there. So I think that's what's helped over the years. It's just been straightforward tran- transitions from like, different managers that are left just coming to the job, do you know what I mean, from being promoting within. And in terms of Tommy, um, very successful, the Scottish Cup win, of course, as a manager, linked with the Northern Ireland job. What was he like to work with? Because from the outside looking in, I don't know him personally. He's a, he's a fierce guy. He seems like somebody that wouldn't be shy and telling you if he wasn't happy. Yeah, no, of course, no. You have to be for the manager as well. But no, no, yeah, obviously, he likes to have you rant and rave, but he's totally different. When he likes to get in about the boys in training. Like Obviously, you, work, you come and work hard, but he likes a banter. Good man of management skills, very good. Uh, no, but he, like, he likes it, and as you say, he'll tell you when you're not doing your job. And I think that's that's why uh, we did so well. He, he knew when to push the buttons, and he knew what kind of boys he had as well. Honest boys, so you know we can we can do our job at the front. He, he wasn't shy of telling you, and we could respect that. And in terms of the life after Tommy for the club, we've talked there about those transitions being seamless and, and working well. Just how how big an ask is it to replace somebody like Tommy Wright, especially after the success he's had over a period of years? Yeah, well, uh, it's all going to be a massive ask uh, because obviously with everything that's going on, things may get cut, budgets may get cut, and to keep doing that year in, year out, it's, it's going to be tough. Uh, you need a manager who knows Scottish football, I think, and knows the club. And reading, reading things in the paper with Steve Brown, that he wants to do it, go with youth. Which is going to be a, a tough ask, but you need some experience here as well. And it has worked in the last few years, uh, and hopefully it does work for him. And if that's a business model as well, then we'll look at it and we're selling players only, Alan McCann, these type of players. And also, in terms of your time at the club, you've had some high profile teammates, two that come to mind straight away Michael Dubry, Jody Morris. What were they like in and around the club? Because you think of the careers they had to come to St Johnston and a lot of people that are cynical from the outside go, okay, they're only here to earn a couple of quid. But they came up and they, and they were committed to the club and they, they, they seemed to go on well with everybody in and around the club as well. Yeah, big characters. Uh, no, they were very good. Worked very, very hard. Very, very hard. Uh, they came in. Didn't look big time or anything like that. They knew Dale, well, Jody knew Dale as a friend anyway. He was a friend of him. So he knew what Dale was all about as well. But no, they weren't big time or anything like that. Uh, winners, that was the most important thing they were winners, they, were, they came up here to prove a point to people uh, that they could still play that level and they were a different class for St Johnston uh, and to be fair it wasn't to earn a few quid because effectively they probably didn't need to uh, and St Johnston obviously you know yourself and everybody else will know in Scotland that they're not the biggest payers you could say uh, but they're just here to prove a point and I think they did that when they were here Absolutely, and and then having experienced guys like that in the team, and then towards the end of your time at St Johnson, you become one of those really experienced players as well. Just how important is it having that blend of youth and experience? Because you mentioned the fact they want to go down a youth route, which is admirable, but at the same time, you're always going to need two, three, even four senior pros in and around that to to steady the ship. Yeah, well, look, they have got that. They've got Murray Davidson. They've got Liam Craig. So they've got experienced players there. Stephen Mays can see experience now as well. Uh, but they've got a lot of young players that have played a lot of football. Jason Kerr, Liam Gordon, they've all played, they've all played a lot of first-team football. 
So you can say in terms of experience that the more the more the league, the more Scottish football. So I think I think they'll be fine. I think they'll be fine, and I think you all start seeing scouts going to St Johnson looking at younger players, and I think that it's not a matter of time that you know St Johnson is going to be a selling club because need, everybody needs money and. If a big club comes in for someone like Alan McCann, I think you can't sniff it. If it's good money, they've got to take it. Well, that's it. That is, that's true. And I think that's just the reality in Scottish football, not just for St. Johnson, but, but so many clubs that if you've got young players and develop them, you need to, I suppose, accept that they are going to move on at some point. And if you can make as much money as you can, then that's, that's a real bonus. Before we get to the obvious in the cup final, I want to talk to you about those Rosenberg games. Because... When you look back at those in the European adventure that year, it was just it was just admirable that Tommy obviously the club were really became top six regulars, but let's be honest, when you get drawn against a team like Rosenberg, people think no chance have they got against them. They're Champions League team normally in, in years gone by, they'll be far too strong, but couldn't have been further from the truth. You upset the odds big time. Yeah, it started actually. It's Tommy Rick's first game actually. Uh... His team talked before it. Well, you, you thought you could, you thought you could have went out and beat Barcelona. Honestly, you felt the team talk was in a hotel before we went to the game. You felt like oh, we'll go out and beat them. It was ridiculous. Uh, as I said, there was no pressure on us. But I'll be honest, like, we did ride our luck over there. I know we won one now. A big Fraz squad, but we rode our luck at times. But we defended admirably. Uh, everyone getting behind the ball, making it hard for them to break us down. And uh, now we've got a great result over there, and fans loved it as well. There's about 500 fans there made the trip over to Rosenberg. But no, no, it was a great trip, that. Definitely. Another thing that intrigues me about yourself, see in terms of you, how you got to St. Johnson and the fact you were at Dundee United, you leave Dundee United, um, have trials elsewhere. See, as the, your career went on, do you think having those setbacks when you were younger helped you long term to, to maintain your first team place when you got it because unlike some players who might be lucky in the sense that they get into the squad young and they stay there you had to really fight to earn your place there yeah well at the time Dungeon United were a Premier League club and they had big squads uh, and Ian McCall was a man at the time for a left and it was you kind of knew you were, I wasn't going to play first team I was young I was, I was only 18 uh, but the, the, I got offered a six month contract and it just wasn't right for me I didn't think I would get a chance to play and I went on trial at St. Johnston. Ian McCall, they were very good. We had Tony Dock was the youth team coach. That's how I knew Tony Dock. Uh, and I went to St. Uh, St. Johnston on trial uh, with John Conley. He done his background checks on me. He phoned Dundee United and asked about me. I got They gave me a decent review uh, report. Uh, and then I played a trialist game. I played it right back. And I did very well. And then the following Saturday, they asked me to play a trialist game. And a first team game against St. Mung. Uh, we got beat 2-1, had a couple of men sent off, but I actually did okay in the game and it kind of flourished from there, I got offered a new a contract there and I've been there ever since and as I say, I started off at right back at St Johnston, which is, which, uh, no, it, was, it wasn't my position, my centre half was my position, but because you're a young age and you're athletic, I kind of got pushed out there for a, for a period of time and no, no, you learn, you learn, uh, I think at that age, you've got to learn different to be adaptable because uh, as I say every manager loves one that can cover many positions uh, and you're always being the squads for that as well but no no it was a learning experience in that and as I say it, it probably helped me uh, moving away from Dungeon United to come play 
And in terms of St. Johnson, see by getting the promotion to the top flight, getting the top six finishes, few Euro- big European results, be honest, did you ever think the club could compete and win a major trophy in Scotland? Well, we had a lot of setbacks in semi-finals. Uh, I, I honestly remember six, seven semi-finals being beat uh, in League Cup and Scottish Cup. And I just never thought you'd... Not I never thought. You, you never really think about when you're playing. You just want to win every game. But at St. Johnston, they've never won a major trophy in their, their career or the lifespan of the club. And No, it never came across. But once you get to the semi-final and you, you get Aberdeen and... Obviously, you're playing against a manager that used to be, well, your former manager, Derek McInnes as well, and you just wanted to get one over on them. I know it's quite bad to say, but you wanted to win the game and hopefully get to a final, and we're pretty fortunate. We, we played well in the game, and we got to that final. And in terms of the semi-final, um, what, what was that game like? Because you mentioned the fact you wanted to get one over on Derek McInnes, and that's no disrespect to Derek, that's just the same with any manager. Um, yeah. It's the same with clubs. If you leave a club and you go back, you want to prove yourself. Of course you do. Um, Aberdeen, of course, were a team who, when Rangers were out out, out with the, the top flight, they became really the, the second team in Scotland quite consistently year on year. So to get into that game, let's be honest, they again were, like Rosenberg, were overwhelming favourites. How did, how did Tommy handle yourselves getting into that game? Because I imagine when you go into a semi-final, when the expectations are on the other side, it's you kind of want to maybe play to that underdog element because you don't want to go into it appearing too overconfident from the outside looking in. Yeah. No, it stemmed from actually the previous game we had them in the semi-final of the League Cup. We actually got beat 4-0. And you think, oh, we didn't prove ourselves. I remember that game and I never played well that game either. And you just thought, oh, we need to get one over on them. Uh, and... As I say, we were quite an experienced squad, so a few boys are like, we'll never get, we might never get to a final again or a chance to win a cup again, so let's go and prove ourselves. And no, no, like, we just, there was no pressure on us as well. As I say, Aberdeen were favourites. But no, we turned them over, you could say, but we went one and down, we came back. Obviously, Stevie May scoring a double uh, and then got us to that final. In terms of Stevie May at that stage, what was he like? Um, I know he's had a few injury problems and he's back, but at that stage he was one of the most exciting players in Scottish football. He just he, he just seemed to get through a, a spell where every game he went into, you fancied him to score. Yeah, no, he had a knife for goal. Uh, he was quite powerful. Uh, but he had a great partner up for him, Steve McLean. He was very experienced, talking through the game as well at the time, and both of them are a, a deadly combination. Steve McLean would come short for the ball, linked, very good blank player, and Steve McLean running behind, score the goals. And everything he was hitting was going in. Uh, and fair play on he shoot from 30 yards. He, he was so confident everything he was hitting was going in. And he deserved his move that year. And I think maybe the club sold him for 800 grand. And I, I think that was a steal at his age for the amount of goals he scored in the Premier League. If you look at it now, players that are leaving the Premier League that have no scored that many goals. I'm going for a lot more than that. So I, I think that was a steal, 800 grand for Stephen May at that time. I'm interested to ask you, see, because his hairstyle, did he ever get stick from the boys? Ah, he, he got a bit of stick. Of course he did in the changing room. <laughs> uh, but no, he, he was an honest, hard-working player as well. And I think that was that was basically the squad, really hard-working. You had a bit of quality come up front, Stephen McLean, you had Michael Harnett wide, and then you had 
like Chris Miller, Murray Davidson, hard-working players that gave you everything, and that's what helped us through, I think. You mentioned uh, Chris Miller there. I actually wanted to ask you about Midge because, obviously, I'm based in Greenock. That's where he's from, mm-hmm. back at Morton now, of course. What was he like? Because everyone always says, great player, but what a moaner. I, no, he's probably in the same mould as me. I'll give you that. He is a moaner. Both of them like a moan, but it was a weird, that, that team, that squad, you think if you played against us, we hated each other uh, on the pitch because you'd be effing and swearing at each other and just having a go at each other all the time, but you knew it was just for the right reasons we wanted to win the game. And after, when you come off the pitch, you were like, best, you were like your best pals. And that, that Christmas night's out and all that, you could see that. Uh, it was just a will to win, basically. And see, when you get to that final now, hindsight's a wonderful thing. And these players were highly rated at the time. But see, when you look at that team you are playing against now, Andy Robertson is playing. Stuart Armstrong, Gary Mackay-Steven. Shifty at the time was, was highly rated, ended up going to Celtic. Ryan Gold was in that squad as well. John Sutter, another one who's highly rated in that squad for them as well. Again, how does Tommy prepare the squad get into that final? Because you would expect, on paper, Dundee United, with the history they've got, to be favourites in that game get into it. Well, effectively, they shouldn't have been, shouldn't been favourites because if you look at our history in that season, we're the better of them. It was a weird one. The press painted it. They were the... They were the favourites. They didn't really do their uh, actual checks on the, pre- on the previous games. Uh, it's just because you had a young, exciting players. That was the only reason. They were favourites. Uh, if you looked at our pre- history against them, we had we were the better team. Not a better team, but we had the best results against them. Uh, but, so it kind of took the pressure off us. You can see it again. And what Tommy Wright, obviously, he in the press, he was very good. If you if you read, read his uh, comments in the press, he was playing everything down as well. And he, he felt relaxed going into the game because you were very confident. See, in terms of that squad, when, when you look back at that squad, and St. Johnson fans often talk about it, you've got the likes of yourself, Dave Mackay. Um, obviously, you've got Fraser Wright, Chris Miller, as we mentioned, Stephen McLean, a group of players who, you would, who for me, senior players good senior pros with very high standards. Was that something that played into your favour getting into that game? Because although, as we just said, they would the exciting young players, you had the group that had been there, done it, and was streetwise getting into that game. Yeah, there you go, streetwise. Uh, we were definitely streetwise. We knew how to win games. That was it. If you were going 1-0 up, your, your clean sheet record was very good. Uh, we went 1-0 up. We knew we were winning the game. It was, it was a weird way. We just had that another uh, hard working attitude that we did not concede a goal uh, but uh, yeah we did we had experienced players knew how to win games and the other players obviously they grew into that as well that came in like Michael Hart and that they were all the exciting players you could say uh, to that team In terms of yourself describe the goal because I imagine Playing in a Scottish Cup final um, is something that someone like myself can only dream of. But to, to play in a final and score in a final, the final which you end up obviously getting on to win as well, that must be just one of the most magical moments you could ever have in life. No, it's, it's great. Uh, oh, yeah, you never think about that, that you're going to score in the final. Uh, but I'm not sure if Dundee United did their homework 
because I scored a similar goal at about a month or six weeks before it, a month before it, a back post header, uh, similar goal, but at this time Chelsea or never came out for the ball, it was just at the back post to score, and that was my run 90% of the time. So I don't know if they did their homework or they didn't, I'm not sure, but it didn't look like it for them to score again, do you know what I mean? It was a, it was a weird one. Describe the emotion when you scored, because I imagine it's very easy to just get overwhelmed, because I imagine adrenaline especially, when you score in a cup final with your fans, thousands of them there, it must be, it must be incredible. Honestly, I just I looking yeah. back at it, I just I, I see your your reaction. I think, wow. Yeah, no, it was uh, obviously it's hard to say, but obviously you're just just to be celebrating with the boys and they're grabbing you by the neck and oh, it's, it's great. And you got Chris Miller grabbing my face with his hand in my face, uh, but nah, yeah, it was. And you know what? It was a time of the goal as well. Because it was uh, just before uh, half time, and that settled you down when you went to the dressing room, and, and you think, well, it's yours to, yours to, yours to lose now. And you mentioned the fact it's, it's, it's right on half time, and, and at the time of the first half, you go into the changing room. What does Tommy Wright say there on the staff? How do they keep you focused? And, and I don't mean that you wouldn't be focused, but let's be honest with you, you're 1 nothing up in the Scottish Cup final. It's a pressurised environment, so I imagine what he said or what he did at half-time could have had a big impact. It just keep doing what you're doing. It was quite a common influence, to be honest. As I say, he knew when he pushed the buttons, but he didn't need to. We were doing okay in the game. We did ride our luck in the first half. Ryan Dow did hit the post, uh, but we did probably edge it in terms of possession. Uh, maybe not in chances, but in possession we did. But over... Yeah, he was, he, was, he was a common influence in the dressing room and he had boys there that, as I say, were experienced so they knew how to get the job done. And we were confident going in the second half. Confident going into the second half. It's, 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 as I say, the second half, there's pressure on the game. Dundee United are trying to come back into it. Um, you've got, as we say, they've got really good young players. Andy Robertson bombing forward, as we know. Champions League winner now. But describe the relief when, when Stevie McLean gets a goal because people forget this. You also had a goal disallowed. Yeah, Stevie May had a goal disallowed, actually. Uh, I don't know what he was doing. But that was, again, it was another set piece. A ball into the box. Fraser Wright was unmarked. Headed it across. And I don't know what Stevie May was doing. I'll be honest. He could have put it in his chest, his knee or anything, but he put it in his hand for some reason. And we were, we were trying to run away claiming the goal, but obviously, I don't know what he's doing, but the relief, the, do you know what? The relief Stephen McLean's goal, yeah, you knew that was yours. We we would never have lost a two-goal lead but that late on anyway. Definitely not. We did raid our luck again. Shifty hit, uh, hit the bar with a free kick, and it, Alan Manis landed on the ball. You could say we raid up, but I think we deserved that luck in the game. Uh, but I, it, was, it was our day. Definitely our day, and as I say, when Steve McLean scored celebrations and that, and we knew that was it, we had won the cup that time. And and, and see that feeling when he scores, the, the minutes after it, knowing, hold on, we've got it, we've got it. When the full-time whistle goes, is it, is it a sense of relief, or does it just sheer jubilation takes over and you just go mad? Yeah. I, I think, for me, it was a, a sense of relief, because... I think because I've been that had that many disappointments in semi-finals uh, to go to my first cup final just to win it. So, as I say, I'd probably never go to an Scottish cup final. 
at that time. So, no, no, it was a relief, but then jubilation after it. You go and obviously celebrate with the fans and, your, and the players. It's, oh, it, was, it was a great, great atmosphere, it was. And in the celebrations as well. I remember I interviewed Stuart Cosgrove recently and, and the celebrations on the pitch are incredible, but when you're a club outside Celtic Rangers, you obviously mm-hmm. get a chance to take the trophy back to your city and have a street parade, etc. And I remember when I said to Stuart, he said, knowing St Johnston, a lot of people say that, there'll not be a lot of people turning up, blah, blah, blah. He said, but it was packed, it was mobbed. And, I think, and for yeah, him, I think it was about 25,000 maybe on the streets. Obviously, I'm not far off that, I don't think, anyway. It was, a, it was a strange one because when we gone there, I'll tell you, the Saturday we went up, we had our, uh, something at the stadium, families and that, and obviously boys had went out after, I went back home because my wife was pregnant, so I didn't really want to go out. And But the, the Sunday, we were up early up meeting the, uh, the players at the stadium again in the open top bus, and obviously you had all the press there, so you go out on the bus, you go do the streets of Perth and... There's a few people, but isn't you thinking, no, this is not that busy. Yeah. And then you go into town, you turn the corner with a Perth concert, uh, Perth concert hall, and wow, it was absolutely mobbed. Uh, Stuart Cosgrove was there on the stage as well. Uh, but no, no, it was uh, it was incredible. It was incredible. And it's in terms of that moment as a player, it's one of those things where, as I, and I say this to lots of players that have won the cup that haven't played for Celtic Rangers. That's one of those moments that even if you are a mainstay for Celtic Rangers, you don't really get to experience because of the nature of Glasgow. So getting to experience an open-top bus parade, just describe the emotions because I imagine a few beers and it's just one of those things you try and savour because it doesn't happen often in, in many players' careers. Yeah, no, just uh, that's great. It's, uh, you turn the corner, you see all the people all excited, taking photos and that, and you're just on the bus and... To be fair, everybody's barging into you and knocking things over. Presses on the bus as well, and that's that's great. You come up when you came off the bus at uh, the concert hall, shot Crosgrove and inviting you onto the stage, and that. No, it was brilliant. It was different class. And this might be a daft question: Have you ever had to buy a pint in Perth ever again? No, of course not. For (laughs) midget. No, but yeah, that night I think you had a few beers. We went out to a couple of pubs, a few beers. And to be fair, we went back to the stadium again because we played play the year night on the Sunday. So, And then you were out after it. So that was, it was very good. Another thing I want to speak to you about is leadership and being, being the captain of the club. Dave Mackay retires, you take over the armband. What's it like when you're the captain of a club? Because it's something that not many people can carry off. Yeah, it was a, it was obviously hard to. Dave McKay obviously retired. He was it? Me are good friends, and he was a great captain. Great captain, probably the best captain I worked under. Uh, uh, no, he was the best captain I worked under. And you just learn things from him. Obviously, you do a lot of other things in terms of could be the captain, like media stuff and all that. But no, it was pretty straightforward. I knew the club, and you deal with the chairman, the gaffer. And no, it was pretty straightforward to be honest. And in terms of, see, being a captain, is that something that, as you say, is straightforward for you, but is that something you could see yourself doing in your career? Uh, I'm, not, I'm not sure. I think it's because... Yeah, you did see that, but I wasn't... For me, captain doesn't mean, oh, that's great, and that's a big thing, being a captain. 
on the the football pitch, I expect the players to be a captain, and even when the bench be a captain, because uh, you need you're a team player for me. Uh, and captain just for me just means you do extra, just extra things off the pitch for me. Uh, but I, you want eleven captains on the pitch. Another thing that's special is the fact that you get the chance to have a testimonial. I mean, how how good does that feel? Uh, no, it's just an added bonus. You don't expect to get anything like that when you first sign for a club. Uh, although it wasn't a great result in the game, but it was a good year in terms of other events. No reason that the game never went down. <laughs> no, it did go in. We played hearts, we got beat comfortably. Uh, but it was because it was in between uh, European games. We also had to play young boys, we had to play trialists in the game. So, we didn't have a full-strength squad or anything like that, and Hearts, they had to prove a point as well. That's why we played them, because they were in the Championship. They wanted to prove a point. We wanted it as a normal pre-season game. So, so and comfortably beat St. Johnston in my testimonial. But no, like, I've just got to be like, Hearts did really well for me. They, they came up, they took the wrong fans as well. Uh, no, it was great having a testimonial. Uh, absolutely, because as I say, it's not something that, that happens to many players, and in that longevity at one club, it's something that I've always admired. Do you think of the kind of great? Yeah, but uh, players? if you look at it, if you yeah, if you look at it, St. Johnson have many players like that. Now, Dave McKay there's one. There's a, there's a lot. I think that's why they've done so well over the years. If Alan Main was another one, there have been a lot of testimonials recently. Like St. Johnson, Chris Miller's another one, and then you go to Liam Craig, Murray Davis, still be the next ones. So it's been longevity, but it's longevity within the squad, and and it's the continuity in the squad. I think that's why St Johnson have done really well. Well, as I say, in terms of something you you don't see a lot, but what I was going to say was with St Johnston, you've got a group there who have been there for for long spells. You even look at Tommy. I mean, mm-hmm. lots of people in management, two three years max. He was he's another one who was there for a long time as well. What do you think it is about St Johnston that that many players and coaches were comfortable and happy to stay there long term? Family club, uh, it is. It's a community family club. Uh, it's well run, definitely well run. Uh, I, I always, I always go back. It's the dressing room. The dressing rooms I've been in, uh, the dressing room was really very, very, very good, and it was cutthroat banter, everything. No, I, I just really like the dressing room. There. Plus, I enjoyed. I was playing regular football, and I assume that everybody else like that. They enjoy playing there. And I think everybody will tell you that you speak to being at St Johnston in that period, they'll say the dressing room was very, very good. Midge will tell you that as well. Well, that's the thing. What I find interesting is you mentioned that they're that dressing room. I've not heard anyone have a bad word to say about the dressing room or the characters in it. No, that, no they were down to earth characters. Uh, Christmas, night, Christmas night out was a two day event. Tom and Ike gave us two, night, uh, two nights away, so we, we always seem to go to either Newcastle or Ireland, Dublin for that. Uh, that, that, that's we used to love for Christmas night so uh, everybody together hair, let your hair down and I think it was great just the banter I think it's because you had a, a mix of players with different banter and like you had Steve McLean Murray Davidson honestly he, list goes on Tom Scobie as well they're all characters uh, and used to we used to have a dartboard well we still do but have a dartboard we We'd, everybody would be in the players' lounge playing darts, no matter what. That's when the banter would be flowing. And everybody everybody get a game of darts against each other. Brilliant. In terms of that dressing room spirit, 
that's something that I like to hear because you see now, uh, not necessarily in Scotland, but even down south, you hear a lot of the time that young players come into dressing rooms and they don't really, they don't really have that time that the senior players from your generation had for each yeah. job and go away. Is that something that you've seen gradually creep into the game slightly? Yeah, yeah, I see that. I, I, maybe it's becoming more professional. A lot of people doing rehab before training, all these different type of things. Sometimes, for me, I think so, to get that camaraderie in the squad and that, sometimes just leaving that aside and playing darts where we'd have a bit of banter. But now it's getting a bit more professionalism, so it's getting into it and doing rehab, doing weights and doing that when they, before they come in. Sometimes you can just do too much for me and you just need to relax a bit. But I think that's why we did so well. We had that relaxation within the squad where you could just go and have a bit of banter. There was no pressure going to the gym either. If you wanted to go to the gym, you could go. But now I think they have that bit of pressure to go to the gym and get, try and make yourself better, to be honest. It's a st- but but what, what you've said there, though, kind of is something that I'm quite passionate about as well, is there is still a place for that old school team bonding. Now, I'm not saying it's the way it was in the 90s with a great Arsenal side, etc. You have a Tuesday night club, but I still think there's time and a place for, for teams bonding together, whether it is over a game of darts, whether it is over a coffee or whatever it may be. No, no, definitely. Uh, I think, well, we, we always had a, this was night out was one, but we always, sometimes you'd have a night out with the boys. Uh, if you had that, so whatever things would be organised, you could go and do something, you wanted to do something. So, no, that's why we, I think we bonded there well, even with family, like wives and coming out with us as well. That was, that was always an agenda as well. So, no, it was good. It was, as I say, it was a community club and I think that's what, all the players liked that. And the fans, you had the players lounge like for half time. So, obviously, all family knew each other, chatting away each other. So, that was good. It was good. Looking back on St. Johnston, we'll talk about your loan spells. How do you reflect overall on your time at the club? Because in terms of longevity and, and, and that, obviously players within that squad have had that as well, but you were there for an awful long time. 16 years in football is unbelievable, especially in the modern game. I describe it, uh, I describe it as obviously, you just want to keep improving, basically. You want to do best for the club, but you could say... Uh, but in terms of, you want to be successful and you want the club to be successful no matter what. And I think that's what that's what I wanted to do and I think the players that came there strive for that as well. Will we see you coaching in the future at all? Maybe, maybe. Uh, it's, a, it's a tough one because there's that many coaches and managers nowadays looking for the same jobs in Scotland. I will do finish my badge. I've done my B licence at the moment. Uh, I will do my A licence eventually, but I'm not in no rush at the moment to do that. I'd rather get some experience first to coaching if I'm going to go down that route, do a bit of it, and then go for my licence. But uh, at the moment, I'm still studying, so that's what I, fo- what I focus on at the moment. Oh, of course. Makes sense. And, and in terms of loan spells, see, because you'd been at Saints for so long, see when you first went on loan, what was that experience like? Because you've been in the same sort of club, same dressing room, you get used to the characters, the management, what was it like going somewhere completely different? Did it? Were you at all anxious? You know, I remember when it when it happened. Uh, me and Tommy had quite a few meetings. I chatted his door quite a few times, and I just said, "Look, I'm not playing enough. I need to go. And, I need to go and play." And he, he understood, and he did actually say, "Me, go away. Don't want to speak to you." Not that way, but I just said, "No, it's not happening because we need you here. We need cover. We need experience." And I went, "Look, Gaffer, I need to go." 
and he, he understood. So he looked at all the avenues, and he, he said that oh, Caldwell was looking for experience centre half, and they spoke to each other, and it was a straight swap for me and uh, Niall Keown. Uh, nothing into it, no money or anything, just a straight loan swap. Uh, and how you say, I was uh, first and foremost when you get that, you it's fine, it's all done and dusted. You're a bit nervous when you first go into a dressing room. It's not, it's not happened to me. I knew dressing room in 16 years, or uh, 15 years at a time, and uh, a bit nervous, but no, it was easy transition. They knew quite a few of the players anyway in terms of playing against them, but the dressing, the dressing room was very good again. It, it was a strange one. Uh, where they were in the league at the time, and they had very good players. I don't know what the problem was. Uh, I don't know if they just lost their way a bit. But no, no, I, I thoroughly enjoyed my time at Partick Sissel. Definitely, I loved it to be honest. Just a different experience. And in terms of that different experience, different manager, what was that like as well? Because you talked about the dressing room being, being seamless, but what was it like being on the pitch for a different club also? Oh, well, that was a bit different. Like Caldwell, uh, Gary Caldwell had his different uh, different views. He was a modern manager. Manager who wanted to play football, get the ball down, pass, pass, and I'm not from that. Uh, Sometimes it can maybe be overdone at times, but no, he had great philosophy. I really liked him as a manager, actually, because he was totally different from what I was used to. Yeah, you know, obviously you have own coil dealt. No old school managers, but like Tommy was a little bit old school, you could say as well. But he, he was from the modern manager. I would say the philosophy and that was that was good. And it just at times you think maybe just having that old school a bit about you, just win the game instead of keep playing the way. He wants to play, maybe when you're winning one now up, sometimes being streetwise, seeing the game out like St. Johnston and winning the game instead of trying to be expansive all the time. Maybe that's what was the problem. Well, as you say, that's one of the things that is interesting because although fans like to see the game played the right way, you know better than me. It's, see if you're playing brilliant football and you're losing every week, they very quickly tell you. So you're right, I think there needs to be a mix of the two. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, I think some of his signs as well, when I was there, yeah, Joe Cardo, uh, yeah, Scott McDonald was brilliant when he first came in. He was, he was excellent. The goals he scored and the play, honestly, he was, he was, he was great that three or four months he was in. Uh, but no, we, we had a few good results and you know, it was all about keeping Patrick Fissel up. That was a priority at the time when I came in. And uh, no, I'm just thankful that happened. So it's a great club. It's a great club. It certainly did happen, and, and, and obviously the situation they're in now, again, another one through no fault of their own, but we'll see see how that all progresses. In terms of yourself, I'll ask a broad question I've got for you is, see, based on your career, playing at St. Johnson for so many years, couple of loan spells, looking for a new challenge now, what advice would you give to any young players listening? Just, just keep working hard and... If you don't think you're going to get that opportunity, sometimes just go no more. And I, I think maybe the best thing that's happened for me is leaving Dundee United. I think it was to go and play first team football. And if it's going out, especially young, keep working away. But going out and try, try and play first team football because I think nowadays that, that's the, the way forward. If you're not playing first team football at your parent club, go out and play and play as many games as you can and get the experiences and then go back and hopefully you can make that transition. And in terms of, to finish, a few quick-fire questions for you. First one being, what's your favourite sport outside of football? Uh, probably golf. Golf. And in terms of golf, is that something that 
a lot of the, the players when you were at St Johnson played golf? Yeah, well, there's quite a few, yeah. We had a couple of golf days and that, yeah, but I wouldn't say I'm very good. It was a toss up between golf and darts, but I probably will, I'm playing a bit more golf now, so now I'll be golf. Um, another few questions, non football related. Favourite music? Uh, I like a wide variety of music. Uh, I could say it. Maybe R&B or something like that. R&B probably. I feel like that. Are you a film man or a box set man? A box set, yeah. And in terms of box sets, what are you watching at the moment? How to Get Away with Murder. Netflix. I watched that. I finished that. So I think that's what it's called. My wife is watching it, so I've been watching it. It's actually been pretty decent. <laughs> Tears coffee. Coffee. Beer or wine. Beer. Beach holiday or city break? Probably beach holiday. Uh, where's the favourite? Where's your favourite place you've travelled to so far? I've found probably Mexico. Yeah, Mexico will go for that. And a few football ones to finish. Um, best players you've played with? Best players I've played with? That's a tough one. Steve McLean, Dave, probably... Toss up between Jody and Dave. Uh, probably Dave McKay. Toughest direct opponent? I say Michael Moles when I was a young kid. What was he like, Moles? Because I, I nah, imagine. Nah, it was very good. And in terms of underrated players, who would you say is the player you played with that maybe didn't get the credit it deserved? The credit it deserved? It's a hard one because there's been, there's been quite a lot of players at St Johnson. Like your Liam Craig, Murray Davidson, Chris Miller. You could say Dave McKay was underrated as well. I think I, I, I'm going to go for Dave McKay because I think if he was a, maybe a couple of years younger when he was at St John's, he could have played for Scotland easily. It, he was he, he's a strange one, and it pains me to say this because he slaughters me all the time. It pains me to say it, but nah, I would say Dave McKay is a eight, nine out of ten every single week. Uh, every player that plays well, I'll tell you that as well. Best manager of your career and why? Oh, that's a hard one. Uh, I played. Owen Coyle was a good motivator. Dell was. He was intense and tactically very well astute. It's got to be Tommy Wright. It's got to be Tommy Wright. Tactically, very good. Uh, knowledge of the game, very good. I just. Man management. and knew when to push your buttons for me. Uh, and I think that for me that's a big thing push your buttons have a go at you when he needs to arm around you when he needs to and I think he, he knows that with every, every player that he signs as well he does his due diligence before he signs him so he understands him understands the player I think it's going to be Tommy right Ronaldo or Messi? I'm going for Ronaldo Who would you rather play for Clough or Ferguson? Probably Ferguson And to finish in terms of the managers that are about now, you're kind of Klopp's, Mourinho's, Guardiola's. If you could pick one of those to play for, who would it be and why? I think probably Klopp, just because the enthusiasm he brings and it looks like all the, it looks like all the players love him and they want to play for him. And that, I don't know if that's just what you see on the telly or that, but that's what it looks like to me when you, you see him. And when they win the game, he's all hugging all the players and he always looks like he's got a smile on his face. It seems like he loves it and I think the players just feed off that. 
Well, I have to say, Stephen, it's been a joy talking to you, and I hope that yeah. your next um, move can come soon because we, we spoke off air, not just for yourself, but for so many players now. Football is a kind of ruthless business at the best of times, and I think especially in these times, I hope clubs can get things sorted as soon as they can and get a start date because it's not fair on guys like yourself who have given the game great service and, and are looking to have another challenge. So, as I say, hopefully you get a new challenge and it comes very soon. Right, thanks very much.